following message is from a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. It's a real privilege for me to uh, give the message today as part of Grad Sunday. And um, uh, for those of you who uh, may not know me, my name is Hamin, and I have been serving as the interim uh, youth leader uh, for the past 14 months or so. So not that I'm counting, but 14 months. And um, Grad Sunday serves as an important marker uh, for Catalyst Youth Group as it signals a transition that happens every summer as we welcome in the 24 <laughs> fifth graders. Uh, Lester, so happy you're here. Um, we move up the uh, eighth graders and uh, we start to wrap our minds around uh, some of our seniors leaving us at the end of our summer. Um, Having spent so much time together this past year with the seniors, I know that um, I, along with many of the youth group volunteers here, um, uh, as well as many people here in this congregation, we're going to be keeping a keen interest in uh, this graduating senior group to see how uh, God leads you and uh, God directs you uh, in your lives. Uh, We're going to be stalking you pretty much on Facebook and just watching you hit different milestones in in your lives. And, you know, for me, I've, I've served as a, a youth pastor for uh, three different youth groups. Um, and um, I was recently looking at some old pictures of youth group members from my second youth group uh, in Kansas City, where I served for about three and a half years right out of college. And, you know, these pictures make me feel old because many of these kids that were, you know, your age, uh, junior high and high school, are now married with kids, and, uh, and uh, two of them are actually serving as youth pastors in like these Caucasian churches in the, in the deep south. Um, one of them worked in the White House for Obama uh, some years ago, and then probably the most famous one out of our youth group is now living as an Asian celebrity in L.A., and he runs our media company, and he's like really best friends with Jeremy Lin and Simon Liu. And, um, and so it's really amazing kind of to track, like, where are these guys now, you know? And when I look at the senior group here, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure myself along with others in this, in this congregation, we, we're going to wonder, like, where are you guys going to be five years from now and ten years from now? And we're really, really excited to see uh, where God leads you. And as you embark on your journey of discovering God's plan for your life, I wanted to share a verse that I hope will serve as an anchor uh, for your life. And um, it, that it will be a literal, literal anchor. It will steady your ship when the storms of life come. Uh, if you really, really think and, and, and grow conviction in what these verses say. Uh, the, the verses I want to share with you is from Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 30. And it reads, Paul reminds us that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Uh, there's a lot in these verses. And the second part kind of supports the first statement that is made. And I'm going to challenge you that you guys commit that first verse to memory. Um, can you actually, I know we do this in youth group a lot. Can the seniors actually say it with me? You guys ready? Say it loud enough that the congregation can hear. Okay? And we know that in all things, good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. One more time. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The all things part of that verse is really, really important. Not just the good times, God is also able to use the bad times. Not just the big things, God uses also the small things, the ordinary things. Not just the obvious spiritual things, but also the mundane, ordinary things. God uses all things for the good. You're in it. <laughs> You're gonna fail. Anyways, um, God uses all things for the good of those He loves. The second part, you know, really undergirds the first statement, and it speaks to how the work of God in your life is something that God does. That you have been called by God. That He first loved you and He called you, and the Bible says that he foreknew you. Uh, King David in Psalm 139 says that we were knit in our mother's womb and that all the days ordained for me was already written in his book. And Paul the apostle one-ups him and says that God knew us like before even the world was built. Jesus says that he knows every hair on our heads. God knows us to the detail level. God had foreknowledge of those he called, or he predestined us, and in, in so doing, he set into motion the work of God in our lives. So Paul describes those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Now, we can spend probably the whole message talking about predestination and the sovereignty of God, but I'm going to leave that for Dr. Steve to do someday for you guys. But I just want to share with you what this verse means for you on a practical level. The Bible says that Jesus, uh, in Hebrews, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the author of our lives. Right? He will complete the work. He will write the chapters. He will direct our paths. He will lead us. He will shape us into the image of his son. You can take that all the way to the bank. Or in your, in your term, no cap. <laughs> These guys shake every time I try to use that. That means no lie in Gen Z terms. Right? No cap. 
That was really bad, I know. These guys cringe every time I try. I've been trying. I've been trying. <laughs> the person groaning is my son over there, Josiah too. Right? God will finish the work. Right? He will mold you into the image of his son. But the big question that we all ask is, how does he do this? How does he write those chapters? Right? If he's the author of the story of our lives, what, 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 how does he bring about this change? How does he lead us? You know, uh, when we look at the Bible, we can see examples of how God wrote out different chapters in the lives of the people that he called. I wanted to uh, bring to your attention two people that we all know, King David right, and the Apostle Paul, King David and the Apostle Paul. David, right, before he was King David, right, he was a shepherd boy. <clears throat> he was the youngest of many siblings. He was neglected. He was in the shadow of his more prominent older brothers. He spent a lot of time being lonely in the wilderness. Uh, he learned in that loneliness in the wilderness to learn how to reach out to God and to worship. God used his lonely times, his broken moments, to cultivate a dependence on God, who he called his shepherd. David, as a teenager, learned how to be faithful as a shepherd when no one was watching. And God would use that very same heart later on to shepherd over the people of Israel. There's one passage uh, that I, I think about it quite a lot, and it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17 when David volunteers himself to go up against Goliath to King Saul. Let me read it for us. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by his hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I know we've probably read that chapter before, but David was sharing that, hey, this isn't the first time I've had to face something that was scary. In fact, when I was a, a young, you know, he was, he was a young man in this passage, but even younger, I'm watching the sheep, and out of nowhere, a bear shows up. And maybe David had to react, and maybe he screamed, and maybe the bear ran off because David reacted. And, and then, even after that, God sent the lion. And maybe this time it was an even scarier situation. 
I mean, I, I was trying to figure out which one was harder, the bear or the lion. I, I, I thought maybe the lion was maybe a little bit harder or a little bit more scary. But maybe this time around, he actually had to fight the lion. Maybe his life was in danger or maybe he came out with some scrapes and bruises. I bet you in those moments, David didn't realize that God was, in fact, preparing him for Goliath. Right? That God had purposely sent in his life a bear. Maybe it was a small bear. I don't know. But it was a bear. And then a lion. And in those things, God was working and developing David to be a warrior. He was preparing him to eventually faith Goliath. You know, when you see God as the author of your life, you can start to see challenges and trials and situations as something that God has ordained in your life. And God is sending to you so that you can learn how to trust in God. That you can learn how to grow faith dependence on him. And so in so doing, when you start to see your life with faith, then rather than running away from those challenges or cutting corners, you learn to face your fears, knowing that God is the one that has put you in that situation. God is preparing you to face and defeat bigger challenges in your life. We look at the Apostle Paul, uh, a great man who, who wrote large chunk of the, of the New Testament. Well, when he was a teenager, he was sent to study under Gamaliel, this, um, the, the best teacher of his time, to be a Pharisee. He had to go to law school. And he was probably sitting in Gamaliel's long lectures and wondering, what is going on? And, you know, why am I here? But Paul had to sit and, and learn and, and memorize the Old Testament and study. But what Paul probably didn't realize was that later on, God would raise him up to respond to the biggest challenge that the early church would face. In that, when Christians were, being, um, were coming into the church, in the early church, certain Jews came up and insisted that these new Gentile believers now had to adopt Jewish practices, namely circumcision. And that in order to be now accepted into the church and into this faith, they now had to basically act like Jews. And it had the potential to bring down the early church. But God raised up Paul to be a Pharisee. He made him study and made him go through this intense schooling. He went to the Harvard of his time. And God was raising him up so that he could respond to this challenge. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 to 6, Paul, Paul talks about this. Right? He talks about this. Let me read it for us. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit who boasts in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. 
If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He's basically like dropping down his resume and saying, guys, I was the best Pharisee around. I was trained in the Harvard of Harvard schools to be a Pharisee. I know the law inside and out. And for that very reason, God raised me up so that I could respond to this threat. That salvation is by Christ's work alone and by grace alone and by faith alone, not by our works. I'm sure you students here have wondered, right, how is God going to use my schooling? How is God going to use algebra? And, and perhaps um, we've, we've wrestled with those questions. But don't discount, do not discount what God will use in your life. God has a plan. Be faithful to what opportunity God has given you. And God will use those things for his glory. Let me show you a picture. Do you know who this is? <laughs> it's our new you pastor. And uh, he has shared his, his life with us, right? He has shared with us about how, as a young immigrant growing up in New Zealand, he was this awkward, overweight kid that struggled with self-confidence. He, he shared these pictures with me, by the way, so I didn't pull them off. <laughs> right. He wasn't good at sports like the other kids. And he decided early on that he was going to focus on being as rich as he can be because he, didn't, he wanted to live beyond um, what his missionary parents were able to support for him. But God grabbed a hold of his heart, and he got involved in YWAM and went on countless mission trips and felt God was speaking, calling him to speak and to proclaim about God to those around him. He didn't realize it, but through these mission trips, through these experiences at YWAM, God taught and trained the shy, overweight kid who was insecure to now be a leader, to now know how to handle cross-cultural situations, to know how to handle difficult people, to know how to think on his feet, to know how to love and shepherd people. I was also thinking about just even my time as the youth leader. Uh, Fourteen months ago, um, not that I'm counting, <laughs> there was a need, you know, for someone to step in, right, and lead this youth group. And I felt God tugging on my heart. And you see, I, I share with you that I, I was a previous youth pastor, but guys, uh, as you guys know, and you could probably tell, I'm not that good of a speaker. <laughs> it's not very natural for me. Um, kind of lead worship, but I'm not very musical. Uh, but one thing I can do is I can lead games. <laughs> I feel very confident about leading games, and no one can come up with more creative punishments than I can. <laughs> and 
this is a picture of me doing the same punishments with my youth group kids in Kansas City, um, where I was also punished too. But anyways, right? You know, coming out of the pandemic, I knew that early on uh, what our catalyst needed was not necessarily someone who would, you know, give more Bible studies or, or um, you know, preach awesome messages. But you just needed someone to break the ice. You guys were all so super awkward. <laughs> and you needed someone to come and draw you out of the COVID cave that all of you guys were in. I share this story all the time. My first time leading worship with our youth group, they were all wearing masks, and they all looked angry, and no one sang. And we needed, what was needed was someone to just help bring folks together, and that's something that I can do. Someone to bring energy and say, hey, let's do this together. You see, um, my last year of college, I was asked to be a youth pastor for a really small group of pastor's kids at my college church. And then I moved to Kansas City uh, for my first job. And the first Sunday I visited, the first Sunday I visited, the youth pastor left, (laughs) saying his goodbye. And they're like, we need a youth pastor. (laughs) And I remember thinking, hmm, is, is God orchestrating this? And so I raised my hand and said, I'll, I'll volunteer. i got nothing else to do on my weekends, you know, my first job. And so I became a youth pastor for about 25 kids. And then Esther and I got married. <laughs> and the kids all came to our, our wedding. And in the early years of our marriage, we spent time serving the youth group. You see, God had prepared me. You know, I had to figure out games, and I had to put together retreats and lock-ins. I had to learn how to juggle my work and uh, serving as a leader. Maybe that college youth group was a bear. This Kansas City was a lion, and you guys are Goliath. I don't know, (laughs) you know. But (laughs) either way. I believe and trust that God had prepared me. And God does those things all the time if you trust him, if you believe that he is the author and perfecter of your faith, if you believe that God works all things out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know, as I close, I I wanted to leave you with one final uh, word picture. And have you guys seen these runners, these blind runners on the, uh, who run in the Paralympic Games? There's a blind runner, and then he runs with a runner who sees, and they hold a piece of string together as they run together, and it's super, super inspiring to watch. And I know, I know you seniors, you know, Uh, You guys feel like you're heading into the future and you don't know what's in front of you. You feel to some degree blind. And to be honest, all of us, all of us are blind. None of us know what the future holds. None of us know how things will unfold. You know, but just like these Paralympic sprinters, the Bible says that we do not run alone. We don't run blind. 
God, through the Holy Spirit, promises to lead us, to run alongside us. He guides us. He opens doors. He brings certain people into your life. And if you are a Christ follower, you learn to see your life through that paradigm. Just like these runners, God will speak to you. He will encourage you. He will guide you. And the, and the verse says that he will help you finish your race. He's not going to carry you the whole way. You've got to run. You've got to run. But he will long, run alongside you, and he will guide you. Remember, remember, remember that verse. And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray.